We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. gentlemen welcome back to another episode here of setting the pace i'm your host alex golden and joining me this man is hotter than luka Doncic was last night it is the one and only michael jerome Fachi. Fachi, what's going on brother Ooh, man that was quite the display by luka but at the same point i'm here to talk about them pacers they also had a <laughs> great showing last night alex always good to see how this team's gonna respond coming off of a loss we've seen this team's really good on the second night of a back-to-back, and it showed against the Atlanta Hawks. Yeah, I mean, honestly, this game, Fachi, it was back and forth, back and forth, and, you know, it, it just felt like this Pacers team was going to pull it out. I never really believed the Hawks were going to be able to 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 put us to put us to bed at all and, and come back and take the lead. Didn't even feel threatened by a Trey Young this game. Felt like it was a very quiet game from him, but I will say this. I always feel good about the Pacers winning a game when Buddy Heald Shoots lights out, 6-7 for 3, 28 points. Oh, yeah. And he led the team in rebounding with nine rebounds. It was an awesome performance. Buddy is in the zone right now. So, I mean, 11 of 16 overall from the field. But in the month of December, he's shooting over 50% from three, which Mm. I love to see, and a blistering uh, 64% from three over his last six games. So, This man is feeling it. I don't think he's ever seen a shot that he didn't like. But at the same point, hey, you know, when Buddy's in the zone, you got to feed him the ball. And it just shows when the Pacers want to play a style that includes getting up, you know, 35 to 43s. It helps to have a shooter as good as Buddy Heald on your team. Yeah, I mean, I put this out on Twitter and, you know, that was Buddy Heald's 19th game where he's had four plus three pointers made in a game this season. And in those 19 games, Fachi, 
95 makes out of 190 attempts, which seems like a ton, but he's hitting 50% from the three-point line in the 19 games that he's, you know, hit four or more three-pointers. So love seeing that. If we want to stay away from the bad, I will not share how bad it's been when he doesn't make four or more because it's been really bad. But I think when Buddy Heald is on, this team is a totally different team. They really are. And, I mean, we we saw, uh, you know, after the game, there's a couple quotes talking about Buddy's work ethic of, of how he's always in the gym early. He's staying late. He's getting shots up left and right. And it, it's showing. It's paying off now. Buddy currently leads the NBA with 132 three-pointers made that overtook the lead from Steph Curry. It always feels like it's him versus Curry. And I kind of feel like Curry's overshadowed how great of a three-point shooter Buddy is. As we've talked about, Buddy leads the NBA in threes made over the last five years. Most of the time, he finishes second in the NBA behind like a Steph Curry or a James Harden. But one stat that I saw while we're giving Buddy his flowers he is now the second fastest to 1,500 made threes in his career behind only the greatest shooter of all time, Reggie Steph Miller. Curry. Oh, I wish. Man. I wish. Trust me. I, I, I'm still one of those that always wants to get Reggie in that, that category. And I know the volume was different, but, hey, it's not too bad finishing second to Steph Curry in anything. <laughs> yeah, no, not at all. But, I, I, yeah, Buddy Hill has just been awesome, and it's been – uh, an ongoing debate on our last episode, we did talk about the Buddy Hill uh, trade rumors, Fachi, and, and I think people are very torn on this because they are right now this Pacers team is currently the seventh seed in the Eastern Conference. They're 18 and 17, 35 games in. I think it's fair to say that we have a large enough sample size to call this team a 500 team. Now, mm-hmm. Buddy Hill said this last night in the, in the press conference. They got to do something so they can be like seven games above 500 and no more of this back and forth stuff because the, you know, the goal for the guys in the locker room is to make the playoffs, right? It's not for them to lose. They don't want to do that. They love winning. They love showing everybody that they're better than people expected. And and like Rick Carlisle said at the very beginning of the season, predicting the Pacers to finish dead last in the Eastern conference. We did it. A lot of people did it was motivation enough in itself to get these guys and want to come and prove people wrong. So, you know, whether or not you're in, in what, whether you're in trade buddy or trade miles or keep them both or whatever you want to do. I just think that it's really fun to see this team playing at a high level. And when this team is clicking on all cylinders, it's, it's just such a fun game to watch. Fachi. I've, I've really enjoyed watching this Pacers team this year. I really have. And I know that the feeling is mutual from a lot of fans that it's just like, Sure, we're a 500 team and, and could be below 500 on any other night because it, it is flip-flopping like that. But right now, I've seen enough to know that it's like this is the type of core that if they can build something together, and a lot of them, they're young enough where they could be under contract for years. Got to figure some things out with some players. But there's enough of a foundation here to be like, okay, I could see something being sustainable compared to years past where it really felt like, hey, the Patriots got this – this small window to really make something happen before so-and-so hits free agency or anything like that. It's 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 been a fun building year when, you, know, you mentioned it, I still feel a bit dirty predicting the Pacers to win as little games as yeah. I did. But coming <laughs> into the year, that's how it was. That's what everybody was picking. And it's not to say, well, that was the cool thing to do because everyone was doing it. But you looked at it and you're like, man, there's a lot of, you know, 
unprovenness or whatever it is that there's a lot going on that the Pacers need to prove. <laughs> I know that's not a word, but it's just, like, <laughs> you know, it's that you, there was a lot of unknown about this squad. And so far from what I've seen, there's a lot of potential and guys that have not fully reached their potential, like a Tyrese Halliburton, who took a big step forward, a Benedict Matherin, who has been better than anyone's predicted. Aaron Neesmith, who took a massive leap forward over here. And then some other guys in there, like Andrew Nemhard, who we didn't have these type of expectations for. I mean, Miles Turner's been, he's having a career year. It's just across the board, there is so much to like. Yet the average age of this team is still like 23 years old. So the, the financial flexibility, the draft picks coming in, it's like I don't need to make the playoffs in order to consider this season a success. We're watching what's successful right now. Mm-hmm. No, I totally agree with that, Pachi. But I want to get back into last night's game a little mm-hmm. bit here. So we obviously know the Pelicans game happened. That's one we'd like to forget. We're going to talk about that briefly after we talk about this impressive one against the Hawks. Because thinking about it, Fachi, you know, the guys come home for Christmas break. They did not stay in Miami. They came back to Indianapolis. Then they flew back out for the game against the Pelicans. I'm not sure if they flew out Christmas evening or I'm assuming they flew out Christmas evening and then slept in New Orleans and then played the next day there. So, you know, a lot of travel, a lot of back and forth, the holidays, whatever. That game did not go as planned. But to then come back on the second out of a back-to-back, play the Atlanta Hawks, who are a very frisky team, very, you know, very difficult. I I think the Pacers were very lucky that Clint Capella did not play in this game. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Uh, Okongwu was a young player that a lot of people are excited about, but he got in early foul trouble. John Collins ended up fouling out. And really outside of that, Frank Kaminsky was probably their next biggest guy on the court. So, you know, this is one of those teams where it's like the Pacers really dominated the inside paint because there really wasn't much of a presence there for the Atlanta Hawks. And this game never felt super close. It got into about six points, I think, in the fourth quarter. Tyrese Halliburton came in, took over the game. Really loved what he did, but I I think we got to start with that second unit, Fauci. Benedict Matherin and O'Shea said really helping propel this Pacers team to a bigger league. Second unit was fantastic. Carlisle even said in specific, the second unit was tremendous in the first half. It helped build up a bit of a lead, which was great. A lot of guys played well, and I think that's very accurate because that O'Shea game, O'Shea had 16-5. and It might not jump off the page as his killer game, but he did it in 20 minutes, and the Pacers were a plus 28 when he was in the lineup. No one was even better than a plus 11. On the Pacers. So it showed that O'Shea gave us some really good minutes. Benedict Matherin, an efficient 18 points. He did it on 6 of 10 shooting, 6 of 6 from the free throw line. So between O'Shea and Benedict Matherin, they shoot 12 free throws, nearly half of what the Pacers shoot. So I thought that was great. And then you got Jalen Smith giving you 9 and 7 uh, in 20 minutes. A good bounce back performance after a rough, limited appearance against the Pelicans, which, which we'll get into. But... The bench, it's important that the bench is there, and it's not just on one guy. You can't just have Benedict Matherin be the shining point of the bench. And last night, you had a couple guys really chip in and make a big difference. What did you think about TJ McConnell's 6.6 assists, 5 rebound effort? I mean, hey, look, it's anytime McConnell's going to be pulling down five boards, which for the Pacers kind of says a lot, you got to be happy with it. <laughs> Maybe he was a plus five in the game and yeah. got a six assist. I mean, that was almost the, the team lead. 
Halliburton had seven assists. So he gave you good minutes last night, a plus five in 21 minutes. So overall, no one's going to say that TJ McConnell was the star of the game, but he gave you quality minutes. Yeah, I think it was really big for O'Shea and for Benedict to have good games. We've talked about it. Benedict's really been struggling from the field in December after winning Rookie of the Month in November, October. So it's just one of those things where it's like, it's going to happen with rookies. They're not always going to be perfect. They're going to go through growing pains. And I don't know if you feel the same way, Foch, but to me sometimes I feel like the fans give Benedict Mather and the Lance Stevenson treatment in terms of how much they love him, no matter how good or bad he's been. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, th- there's been some games that Matherin has you know, not played well. I know I've definitely given him a pass just because I'm so excited about anything he does. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, he's a he's a fan favorite early on, and we got to, you know, we got to be able to cut him some slack as he is a rookie. But, yeah, there's definitely been some, like, four of 16 performances that no one's, you know, no one's tweeted about, like, yo, Matherin needs to chill or, or anything like that. It's just kind of been like, hey, you know what? Let the rook grow, so let him develop. So <laughs> yeah, it, it, it happens. Even after games when he doesn't play well, it's like the next game, he's got to start. He's a starter. Yeah, I know, I know. What are we doing? And it's just like the team's 18 and 17, and, and Matherin over here is playing pretty good off the bench, right? Yep. And I just start laughing when I see all this stuff because it's like I'm getting Lance vibes in terms of how the fans feel about him now. They don't play the same way at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like that they're both kind of bully ball guys and get to the rim. But other than that, like, Lance is a much better passer. Okay. I think you could say in his prime, Lance was a better defender, not the latter years of Lance. But, you know, one thing that they both had about they both have about them is they're, they're fearless. Definitely. Unafraid of the moment. They don't care who anybody is. And I think you can kind of draw those comparisons. And I'm not trying to say that they're the same player. I'm really not. I just – I get certain vibes about him. But I think Matherin obviously has a much higher ceiling than Lance did. No offense to Lance, but – yeah. Matherin's just a special player, and I think last night we saw some really nice passes from him, and I think that's one thing. I I can't remember if Carlisle brought this up or not, but it's just like he's slowly starting to make the right reads and not forcing everything, not just looking for his own, but he's playing within the game, and I I love seeing that development from him because that's what he's really going to have to work on to become an even better player than he already is. Oh, yeah. He is not going to be able to just be a scorer in this league. He's going to have to continue developing on his playmaking, his rebounds. We've seen flashes at times. There was a couple seven rebound games in there, three assists last night. Um, so it, it will continue to 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 grow. But overall, go back to your point about the reserves. Pacers, this is a key stat. The Pacers reserves outscored the Hawks reserves 52 to 20. That's a 32-point advantage right over there. So that was a big difference in this game, but also a couple stats. Look, yes, Clint Capella was out. Capella is a guy that at times has has killed a lot of teams on the glass. The Pacers win this rebounding advantage 49-42. to And like I mentioned before, I'm going to have to give you guys the exact stat when I find it, but it just feels like each time the Pacers win the rebounding advantage, it it feels like they win that game. And this was another example of that of winning that battle, and then they they outscored the Hawks in the paint by 14. I mean, they outshot the Hawks from the field, and they shot 37% from three. There was a lot to like in this game, and I felt like one key thing was that you held, the Pacers held Trey Young and Deontay Murray in check right over Mm. here. They were combined 9 of 27 shooting. So that was a big difference in this game. 
uh, and I think was kind of one of the keys to, you know, holding down what was expected to be, you know, a playoff team this year. You think your boy John Collins was putting out an open audition for the Pacers front office last night? I wouldn't blame him. I'd want to be a part of what we got going on. <laughs> I'm in 26 and 10 on 11 of, of 17 shooting. One and, lock. Yeah, yeah. You know, there, there's definitely some stuff to like. But if you want to talk about another guy, I got a soft spot for it. This guy, I, I didn't put him on my honorable mention list when we talked about trade targets. Jalen Johnson, quietly off the bench, eight points, eight boards, yeah. five assists. Eight free throw attempts. I mean, this is a guy that at one point was one of the top recruits to Duke. It's been a couple years now and still feels like, you know, it's been two seasons. still feels like he hasn't gotten his his real footing in the NBA, but I still believe in that guy. Um, So that was something where if we want to talk about my boy, I still (laughs) got that soft spot. Yeah, well, my boy Aaron Gordon had an awesome dunk yeah, the other night on did. Christmas Day. So shout out there. But yeah, I mean, honestly, when I'm when I'm looking at this game, Fachi, I was listening to the broadcast because I was out and about last night. It was my wife's birthday. So we're traveling uh from the restaurant to, to her parents' house. And you know, it's about a 30-minute drive from where we're at. So I was able to catch some of the game on the radio. Thankfully, she let me listen to it a little bit. But one of the things that Eddie Gill brought up, I thought was really interesting. He talked about how the Pacers have talked about giving up fourth quarter leads, right? Playing with the lead and how they've allowed teams to get back into it. You made a joke last podcast saying no lead is safe with the Pacers. You know, that any team can come back from any Pacers lead. And he brought up a really interesting point talking about how the Pacers really excel playing fast. And that's one thing that they uh, were going to try to do is not slow the game down just because they have a lead in the fourth quarter. And this is where I get a little bit worried about the playoffs when I'm thinking about this team in the playoffs right now. The playoffs are are, are are a different ball game, and things get really slowed down. And I just feel like right now, not having any low post thread, not having any like terrific half-court offense, we are at our best when we're playing fast, we're shooting a lot of threes, we're getting out and running. That is just not something you see a lot of times in the playoffs. A lot of times you you see a slower game and you see teams that have really good defenses make it far. And that's why I think this Pacers team is a fun regular season team, but I worry about how they will succeed in the playoffs with the current roster they have constructed right now. You want to talk about playoffs being a different breed. This Pacers team barely even has playoff experience. True. If, you want, if, you, if you want to go through the list, you know, Neesmith, I don't know what garbage time maybe he received with the Celtics at times, but not really meaningful playoff minutes. Obviously, Turner's been in the playoffs, but Nemhard hasn't. Halliburton hasn't. Buddy Heald has not. Uh, Jalen Smith probably got some, you know, garbage yeah. time minutes with the Suns. I don't even think he played. I don't think he was yeah, active. He wasn't that's active. I'm saying. He, he might not have been active, but if he got into any playoff games, they were not meaningful minutes. And you got O'Shea, you got Terry Taylor, Isaiah Jackson, no playoff experience over there. O'Shea got some playing experience. Play in. Yeah, play in. And then if we're if that's what we're talking about, then what about O'Shea? He's played in a play-in game. I mean, it's just <laughs> two yeah. play-in games, I guess. It, it doesn't, you know, pack the same punch. Yeah. Uh, same with the Duarte, Benedict Matherin, you know. So this Pacers team has definitely not been playoff tested. Even if they got bounced, swept, whatever in the playoffs, it would be valuable experience yeah. for them to come back hungrier. So I could I could definitely respect that. But they but do still you, have do you agree with my out. point though? Based on how they're how they play, like their style of play, like just their they just don't have a great half court offense. And I think yes, their true. best when they play fast 
Mm-hmm. They push it. You know, I, I just think when they're able to play fast, they're a totally different team. And when they're not hitting threes, obviously that makes a big difference because they don't really have any low post guys to go in there and score. Their low post or their paint scoring really comes from guards getting into the paint. So, you know, I'm not saying, oh, we need a big down there. Miles needs to get down there and play more. I'm not saying that. But I do think that at times it is nice to be able to run some sets down low in in a half-court offense just to get some different looks. And, you know, I, I'm just – I'm probably getting too far ahead of myself here, Fachi, but I'm just thinking, like, they've got to figure out some different ways, in my opinion, to be more successful late in games, not playing fast. I think they got to figure out a way – to be able to play half-court offense and be successful with it. Exactly. You don't want to be playing to not lose. You want to be playing to win. And I feel like if the Pacers adjust their style too much, they could be getting out of their game a little bit. But it, they they have – Alex, at this point, it's actually pretty crazy. We crossed just over the 40% mark on the season. So now we're starting mm. to get a real look at who these Indiana Pacers are. I mean, shortly we're going to be halfway through the year. So we're, we're seeing they still got things to figure out. There, there's a lot of sluggish starts that doom this team. There's times in the fourth quarter where they really pick it up, but we're still not 100% sure to put our finger on who this team is, especially because moves could still be made. But a night like last night against the Hawks was definitely uh, a, felt like a complete game. I mean, we're going through this. Pacers get off to a three-point advantage after the first quarter, and they actually end up, either outscoring the Hawks in every quarter or in the third quarter, at least tied the Hawks. So they went into the fourth quarter with a 10-point lead, managed to end up pushing that lead uh, and and end up winning by 15. So it was good to see a complete performance instead of three good quarters of basketball. We got, you know, four really solid quarters of of basketball. If not, maybe, maybe a great fourth quarter at least. All right, give me three gold stars for this game as we wrap this one up. All right, three gold stars. I'm going Buddy Heald. Definitely, Buddy Heald. Next, I'm going Tyrese Halliburton. The man had 23 points, but he had 12 of them in the fourth quarter when it mattered most. Mm. Next, for my last one, uh, this is tough because there, there's two guys that are – actually, there's three guys that are really deserving of this. But if I'm going to do something a little bit different, I'm going to give it to O'Shea because yeah. I, I feel like this is uh, one of those – he was like an X factor in this. Like You're not expecting him to give you 16 points, but those 16 points – were very big and look that third gold star could have easily went to a benedict matherin or miles turner but i'm going with o'shea what about you yeah i think those are the three that deserve it the most i think last night with aaron neesmith fouling out and only playing about 19 minutes total you needed somebody else to step up and i think o'shea did a great job i really was impressed with his play and i think you know carlisle said it he just finds ways to you know get out there and be productive and it's one of those things where he starts out the season like last year, not in the rotation, 10-man rotation, but he always finds his way in there and then eventually closes games. Like, you could even make the case that maybe he should be starting, which is what I made about two or three weeks ago. Maybe it was even longer than that. I think it was almost a month ago that I said that mm-hmm. over over Neesmith. And I, I know that's kind of backfired on me a little bit. Yeah, but a little bit. I still believe in O'Shea said, okay? I do too. I, I still think that he can be a huge part of this team moving forward, and I'm still disgusted that the Pacers did not address that in the offseason. Could not team. agree more. Could I mean, not. What, what else were they doing with that cap space, number one? And number two, what, how much is it really going to cost to extend him? I think he would have easily done it. Uh, he, I think, I'm pretty sure his option was for $1.8 million this year. You couldn't get a deal done maybe, I don't know, at $4 million, something where you double that, 
He takes the guaranteed money. I, I don't know. I feel like it could have gotten done. Could have ended up being a steal. But at this point, now we're we're you know we got to wait and see what happens with O'Shea. But that's someone that I want him to be part of this core moving forward. And I even told you I felt bad when at times. Remember picture day? He wasn't even like I think no one even like or whatever it was in the beginning of the media day. Whatever he like wasn't seen wasn't in any pictures and i was like oh my god what's going on with o'shea yeah and they started not playing him in the beginning of the year i was like, I got a bad feeling about this and i'm happy that he's been able to now kind of carve out a more established role even with chris duarte back in the lineup yeah i totally agree and i think when you don't have a lot of wings on your roster he fills a position of need and i think with carlisle going a little bit smaller now with the starting five and kind of taking isaiah jackson out of the rotation it has given guys like O'Shea Brissett more of an opportunity to see that playing time as they've gone smaller. But let's pivot now, Flatchy. Pivot. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. And let's go backwards and talk about this horrific game. I don't want to spend too much time on it. Neither do I. Maybe three minutes of terrible talk. Maybe that's all we need to really do because, you know, the Pacers started off looking like they're about to get a good win here. Started off great. And then all of a sudden, everything else just, you know, they just crapped the bed. And and this, these are the kind of games that are frustrating, especially if you're rooting for this team to win. Because look at the roster that the Pelicans put out there. There's no way this Pacers team should be losing like this to a Pelicans team without Zion, without Brandon Ingram, without Herb Jones, without uh, Dyson Daniels. Trey Murphy. Trey Murphy was like, they had five of their top 10 guys, 11 guys out, 
and the Pacers just crapped the bed and let Najee Marshall, who I was a fan of in the draft, you know, go off for 22 points and six Pretty rebounds. High. Yeah. So, I mean, I was watching the game with some friends, and one guy's like, who's number eight? I was like, oh, it's Najee Marshall. <laughs> who's that? You know, it's like who he played for. Like, a lot of people aren't familiar with him if you don't follow uh, the Pelicans very closely. But, yeah, I just, I mean, he was, like Carlisle said, they out-hustled them on almost every 50-50 ball. You could just tell the Pelicans won this game about 95% more than the Pacers did. Indeed, some skid marks on those undies. I mean, this this was what? some doo-doo in the pants. I'm telling you, man, you talk about crap in the bed. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. It happened, Alex. It happened. I've never heard that one. Now, now, look at this. I mean, when you really put into perspective, the Pacers won last time they played the Pelicans with Zion, Brandon Ingram, and all those other guys that you made that you named. This time, they trailed by as many as 29. Yeah. They were out-rebounded by eight. Team and one of the big differences we talk about the Pacers live and die by the threes. Last time when they beat the Pelicans is when they set the franchise record with 22 made threes. This mm. time, just nine made threes. That's a big difference. Whatever happened, the, the Pelicans made the adjustments this time around compared to last time. And, and when we talk about that 18 rebound differential. Pelicans had 16 offensive rebounds. So you talk about those 50-50 balls. I mean, it makes a big difference. One other key stat. I know I'm dropping stats over here. Last time, the Pacers' whole starting lineup against the Pelicans had 15 or more. I mean, Miles Turner had 37 in that game. This time around, Benedict Matherin led us in scoring with 15 points. So it was (laughs) off the bench. So it was just that we got stifled in this game, and uh, it it was embarrassing. It really was. That's why I was really happy with the way the Pacers responded against the Hawks because this is one of those games where you got to dust yourself off real quick and and make the changes, and I felt like that's what they did against Atlanta. Yeah, I mean, I got to say this. Jalen Smith, seven minutes of play, more like six. Let's (laughs) round it up. Minus 22. It's crazy. Did not re-enter the game. Isaiah Jackson took over for his minutes in this game. And there was some question if he was going to play. I forget the injury that he has that he's dealing with right now. But there was some question if he was going to play. And Carlisle basically just said that uh, he didn't want him to be out there playing on it gingerly. So they just kind of shut him down for the night. But that's a nice way of saying he sucked. And yeah, it is. And it wasn't a game for him. And this is where Isaiah Jackson coming to play a little bit more athletic. And while Isaiah Jackson wasn't lights out, his minutes were a little bit better than Jalen Smith. And he ended up getting 15 minutes. I was glad he was able to play. But at the same time, it's just frustrating that we're looking at Isaiah Jackson now as a guy that's not in the rotation. And I don't think any of us expected that to be the case coming into the season. No, I don't think anybody expected it. I don't think anybody likes it either. I I really feel like this is – valuable time for Isaiah Jackson to develop in year two. I honestly thought he was going to take a big leap this year. I, I think that this is this is where it comes into, you know, curious to see if the Pacers do make some moves to clean up this rotation a little bit because it honestly hurts me seeing him play like three minutes in garbage time or not even log any playing time at all because he's so athletic. He is so athletic. He adds a different element to the Pacers, and I really want to see him out there. But, man, when you talk about Jalen Smith, I mean, there were some runs 
uh, in that Pelicans game that were brutal. I mean, in yeah. the first quarter, Pelicans go on a 13-0 run. In the second quarter, they go on a 15-0 run. I mean, there were, there was a, a few runs that really kind of were the difference in the game. And I feel like Jalen Smith, I mean, it's hard to be a minus 22 in, in just about seven minutes, but somehow it happened. Right, and I think that's kind of where I'm at. It's just like it was a bad game overall, so I don't want to just crap on Jalen Smith. Don't mm-hmm. get me wrong, but it's just like sometimes when he's off, it just it's really bad. And you know, this team altogether just played but horrible that game. So I don't want to. I don't want to just. It's not just Jalen for sure. Yeah, don't want to specify him. So, uh, but I, I guess I did. But I mean, I'm just saying you can make the case for a lot of these guys that didn't play well. Um, Aaron Neesmith played pretty well in this game uh, when he was able to be out there. But yeah, just. Just wasn't a good game. It's one you move from, you move on from, and you, you know what the Pacers did? They bounced back, win against the Hawks. Kind of forget about this game, but you know it's one of those things where I think we needed to bring it up just because they've had some really bad losses to teams that have been depleted. I know they won a couple games where they had a depleted roster, but at the same time, you can't be losing to the 76ers when they sit their top seven guys, and you can't be losing to the Pelicans without five of their top ten guys. I mean, it's just these are games if you want to take yourself seriously – as a potential playoff contender or at least a playoff team that you can't have lapses like this throughout the regular season. No, and I definitely do think that they probably did overlook the Pelicans a bit, and that's a big mistake because the Pelicans are one of the best teams in the league this year. I know that sounds crazy, but it's like I believe they have a top two seed in the West right now, and the West ain't easy. So I just feel like even no matter what players they had – you still got to take them seriously, and I, I feel like the Pacers took their foot off the gas a little bit. But, hey, for anyone who thinks we were just crapping on Jalen Smith, I mean, Tyrese Halliburton, as magical as he's been, he was averaging 38 points per game over the stretch of the Boston Celtics in the Heat game. He only comes out with 12. I mean, that was a big difference in this game. Mm-hmm. And across the board, I, I felt like just a lot of guys didn't have it that night. And, and that's going to happen in an 82-game schedule. Not everybody's going to be on for all 82. And uh, that's why I'm happy that the Pacers regrouped. Uh, you know, Even on a back-to-back, you, you handled business when you returned back to Indiana. I thought that was really big. And they really had to have a short-term memory in this game. And I, I'm glad it paid off because that's one that I really want to forget about. And I know Pacers Twitter felt the same. Yeah, it was pretty uh, abysmal on there. <laughs> Jeez, so, it was. You know, it's it's okay, though. We're we're all right. This Pacers team has given us a lot more than we expected to get this year. So can't be super critical of this team that's entering the first phase of their rebuild. But me and you both would probably agree they are way ahead of schedule from what we expected. And it, it's tough to talk about certain things like we did on the previous podcast because what Miles Turner and Buddy Hill have done Number one, they're just super likable guys. It's hard to dislike these two players because they are fun. They're interactive with fans and they're energetic and they bring positive energy, right? So, uh, I mean, it's just, it's hard to root against them or like want them to be traded. So I, I get why there's some pushback on that. But, you know, Fletch, I'm just excited for where this Pacers team is headed. And I think bigger picture, we've got ourselves a face of a franchise that we can really trust in. I mean, if Tyrese Halliburton, Never gets any better than he is right now. We still got ourselves an all-star level player. So we have found something in Tyrese Halliburton. We found things in other players, not to the same level, but I am very excited about the growth of this team and which way they're heading. Because with Tyrese Halliburton at the head of the ship, I think you're in good hands. 
you really are. And it makes you feel like with Tyrese as your point guard, anything is possible. Anything could happen right now. And this guy was just nominated for Eastern Conference Player of the Week for the fourth time this year. I mean, that's that's really good status. I know in the end of the day, I mean, what does it really matter for a franchise to do that? But it just shows how special he is that he's commonly in the running for it. This guy, this guy had a, a great week. And right now, to your point about, you know, the the last episode we did talking about, you know, if the Pacers are going to make a move with Buddy Hill or not, like, yeah, they love him right now. And we're actually in the midst of Buddy Heald is on pace to shatter Reggie Miller's single season three-point record. So uh, he's got 132 threes. Miller's record was 229 mm-hmm. in the year. So it, I know the volume is completely different due to different eras. But we're actually witnessing the best three-point season we've ever seen from a pacer right now. And I know some people are taking it for granted. Now, look, obviously, at the end of the day, we want the Pacers to just do the right thing and push the franchise forward. But, man, these guys certainly do love Buddy. I love watching him. And at the same point, I'm not going to push for anyone to to get traded. At the end of the day, if a move happens, I completely understand but, man, there's got to be a lot of teams out there that covet that type of shooting because, hey, the the league leader in threes made doesn't become available too often. <laughs> no, Fachi. And that's why I was asked today on the radio when I went on, they're like, you know, it seems like this is all coming from other teams having interest in them. The Pacers haven't really expressed their willingness to trade him. And I said, no, you're right. Everything that I've heard has been orchestrated from teams are interested or teams have called about. It's not been the Pacers are actively shopping him. So a lot of people probably assume that they are shopping him just because talked about going into a rebuild, Buddy's 30, does he fit the timeline? Probably not. Like, yeah, I get why people and probably other executives assume that the Pacers are open to trading him or maybe he's on the trading block more than it's been out there publicly. But I I just feel like with how Rick Carlisle talks about him, with how much his relationship with Tyrese Halliburton matters, I wonder if that plays any factor on whether or not the Pacers decide to keep him because we've seen when they've traded away other players that have been close with the superstar of the team or the face of the franchise, how it's had a ripple effect. I wonder if they check with Tyrese to kind of get his feel on if they were to make maybe make a trade with Buddy involved and, and see how Tyrese responds because I don't think they want to upset him whatsoever. It's a great point because we know the chemistry, we know the friendship, everything from from coming over to Sacramento together, and you know Tyrese has has played with Buddy, you know, through every you know every game of his career, and, and Buddy doesn't miss games. I mean, it's an underrated thing. I believe he's only missed like four games in his career, which still sounds like made up, but he's like he's like an Iron Man. So that's awesome to see. And the tra- if there is going to be a trade, it's got to make sense. Yeah. Because you don't want to just trade him for like the 28th overall draft pick to be your fourth first round pick coming. Because then it just feels like it's like, do we really have to make this move? And you do risk potentially upsetting Tyrese. And to be honest, if Buddy's probably traded for just about anybody, I'm sure Tyrese would be upset. And that, that that's understandable over there. So it is a hard line to tiptoe, but I do hope that they would involve Tyrese in any type of decision of at least giving them a heads up and not finding through social media, finding out, because I, I feel like that makes a big difference. We've talked about how 
Paul George didn't feel involved in some decisions in the past or didn't feel heard. So I would love to at least hear that they keep him up to date in whatever moves they make. Totally agree, Fachi. So with that being said, that's going to wrap up our podcast for the day. We'll be back tomorrow night after the Pacers and Cavaliers game. So we'll have a post-game podcast for you there. Maybe we'll throw something else in there to talk about just to keep it lively. But with that being said, Fachi, let the people know where they can find us at on social media. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you can find us on Twitter at setting the pace three. You can find Alex on Twitter at Alex Golden NBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F A C C I. You could find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk. You can find us on Facebook, setting the pace. You can find us on TikTok at setting the pace. And Alex, tell them where they can check us out on YouTube. Yeah, right over there on youtube.com slash setting the pace. You can check out all of our latest content. We hope you guys have enjoyed the latest stuff we put out there, but have no fear, more content is coming your way. But Fachi, if you believe that Buddy Hill will pass Reggie Miller's franchise single season record, like you mentioned, then say these three words. Let's go Pacers! Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team, we gonna need a mop. Smooth. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.